0: Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show on today, April 6, 2017. I'm Eric Devin, and joining me as always are Adam White and Nathan Staples. Before we look ahead to the weekend, we'll take a brief look back to the midweek Coupe de France matches as well as some unsavory incidents related to the Coupe de la Ligue final in Lyon last Saturday. First, the news. In the Coupe de France quarterfinals, amateur side Fréjus San Raphael gave game-gap all they could handle before the Breton side eventually tramped 1-0 on a goal from Alexandre Mendy on Tuesday. Tuesday's late match saw Lille travel to Monaco, and despite finishing with 10 men, Le Doug turned in a combative performance, losing 2-1, Valère Germain's brace leading the way for the hosts. On Wednesday, a rotated Bordeaux side lost 2-1 to Angers, Alexandre Latelier making a long-awaited return from injury and goal for the hosts, and the late match saw Paris Saint-Germain face off against Avranches, with the champions getting a brace and an assist from malcontent and arfred de Cruz to a 4-0 win. Monaco will face Paris Saint-Germain, and Angers will be gang up in the semifinals, set for the last week of April. Also in action midweek, Lyon played their rescheduled match against Metz and won 3-0 to move seven points clear of Marseille and fourth. With Quentin Tolisso recording a goal and an assist in less than 10 minutes on the pitch. That's all the news for now. Do follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com for the latest news and opinion on French football. If you do like the podcast, please be sure to rate us on iTunes. So, gents, let's start with a quick reference back to the Couteau de Ligue file. I'd like to talk not about the match itself, which was, as we know, a bit of a damp squib, but about the vandalism that occurred at the Parc OL as a result of Paris Saint-Germain's fans. Uh, pictures from this had emerged early in the week, but French media have been a little bit slow to report this. There was an article published in The, the Keep this morning that had some pictures of the damage that include tag seats, uh, destroyed toilets, um, and we're still awaiting a verdict from the LFP, and they have not, uh, they have not made their uh, decision public on this. But I did want to read a couple quotes. This is from an LFP administrator, uh, Didier Cuillot, who had sent uh, sent, sent a, a letter to Jean-Claude Blanc, the general manager of Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he, they were very up, upset. So Quillot says, significant destruction was committed in the sections where the members of CUP, that's a rather infamous PSG supporters group, were. Uh, and the restoration of the stadium will be charged to your club. It's somewhere around the $100,000 mark. There are also 61 smoke pots lit during the match. The lack of intervention on the part of your security team was deplorable. Uh, so no, no, certainly no punches pulled there from uh, LFP representative uh, And I guess you know, what I wanted to ask you guys is, if, is this something that, psg had been asking for in terms of uh bringing back in these groups of ultras is this an issue that was you know this is the first major event uh barring the euros for the for the park ol uh, the first event that would have fans that would be necessarily hostile just you know just trying to get a general take on this what went wrong what could have been done better what does this mean for PSG? I mean, the article and Le Keep goes on to say that there have been sanctions levied against the likes of Metz, Bastia, and Marseille this season, and it would look rather poor on the part of the league were they not to sanction PSG at least beyond the, a fine equal to the amount of of repairs that uh, Leon are facing at, at the Parc OL. Adam, i will start with you.
1: Um. I, yeah. I think. I think it's an interesting. Debate in general. I'd have to say, first of all, that given those the references you made to the Mets fans, who are obviously quite harsh, well, quite severely punished for the incident with Leon Basti, obviously have been quite quite badly punished in Marseille as well. I think PSG fans would, you know, they'd expect some sort of sanction on 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 their part for for, for the damage caused to the parker. Well, I'm um, looking at that article. It made a number of references to to poor security arrangements in in general which seems like a seems a little bit odd considering as you mentioned the euros before that the Parkway, although a new stadium has has had major events you know occur there so you would have felt like the the measures would have been in place to you know sort of pat down incoming supporters and um, both from their point of view and perhaps also from Paris Saint-Germain's point of view, because uh, that article also mentions that they 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 regularly on away on away trips, Paris Saint-Germain fans are searched on, uh, before they leave on coaches to, to to away games. So you imagine that the security measures to prevent this kind of behaviour um, would have would have at least you know partly been in place. So it seems like an odd situation that that they've appeared to have been relatively lax for this for this final, given it was such a showpiece event. through the two biggest teams in France, two best teams anyway at the moment playing off against each other, you would have thought that this was a, you know, a high risk game. The French authorities are very keen in general to be very, very sort of strict and um, officious in terms of marking games as high priority. And they'll happily ban a travel of fans to games they deem high priority, often run-of-the-mill league games. So you would have thought that a big final between two big teams would have been, you know, quite high up in their list of priorities in terms of security. So it seems a little bit odd. From from that point of view, in terms of the fans, I think Nasser al made the decision to sort of bring back the the CUP, uh, perhaps earlier this season, at the beginning of the season. Perhaps um, I'm not f- overly familiar with the ins and outs of their original banishment, but it seems like it was a bid to to sort of re some 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 atmosphere at at, at the park Park de Prance, which was which in principle is a very good idea because they're lacking in in. In, in in not necessarily in support but in that sort of fiery atmosphere that perhaps other clubs of their size feed off from bigger games it's become a bit like going to the opera to go and see psg for some of the some of the games are sort of very sort of polite applause and a little bit a little bit quiet so a little bit sedated perhaps so i can see the the rationale and perhaps it it, it, it the, the 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 group of fans you be deserved at least a chance to to prove that you know the the the, the ways of changed and that they weren't the the sort of vicious ultra group that they perhaps have a reputation for being, and this is the first real chance they've had to to perhaps show that they're not. All right, the Barcelona games are probably a, an example of that too, but they they've kind of they've, they've kind of missed the opportunity a little bit here. And I think, as as again, as Lakhi mentioned, that the PSG fans would be the, the one the the key troublemakers would be easily picked out, and they'll they'll be sort of banished. I think ultra groups in general have have a sort of a mixed reputation, and and given that this the the, the, the CP were perhaps had a, had a, a lower end uh, a reputation in terms of ultra groups um it was playing with fire to some extent i don't know if it was necessarily a bad idea it was worth well trying and it's no one's been no one's been too badly injured as far as i'm aware so there's there's at least that's one positive obviously um there's there's obviously something to do with the rival between psg and and leon that the, the, the it was their stadium and the, the psg fans um of, of that particular group perhaps showing that rivalry a little bit and, and going obviously completely at way, way too far. And and being, you know, showing that perhaps they aren't ready to be involved as as heavily as as the president would like to provide the atmosphere. Perhaps it's a bit of a, you know, too tough, too, too tough a task. And it's probably a little bit too far. But in term in general, I don't know if they deserve to be banished again for, for, the, for this one incident, uh, I, I, as serious as it was, but um, overall i think PSG can definitely expect a punishment and and they they will have to reconsider the way that they 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 travel with their away fans because it's obviously it can't happen again otherwise they will be in even more serious trouble you would imagine
0: all right so nathan a two fold question for you then i guess get your reaction to this as well and what do you think would be a fair punishment they had, uh, there's been a mention of closing the Aute stand which is a a, a fan that the a stand at the This the CUP occupy uh, within the Parc des Princes Uh, what's your take on this and how should the LFP move forward with this
2: yeah reacting to the incident first of all I think um, Adam's pretty much nailed it as well and getting the CUP back involved with the club was obviously a take to make it a little bit more atmospheric in the Paris Saint Germain stands instead of just uh, echoing Bruno Mars every time they scored so
1: (laughs) yeah that is terrible yeah
2: (laughs) please get rid of that Um, but yeah this was always a worry of something that might happen um especially in this kind of environment where they're in an away stadium um and in in plenty of number in that fact obviously because it's a a cup final but there should have been more security measures uh both ends from both when they were leaving paris uh leon as well supposedly uh, the cup quoted saying that they weren't properly regulated and there was ticket issues and, and all the sorts, but so it's a lot of spitting fire either ways, and you're never really going to get a solution, but there's a lot of things that should have happened that didn't. Um, and I think coming on to the second point, really, we, it was well made in the keep point that Mets and Bastia have been punished for differing reasons of fan issues, but mainly in their own stadium. And I think that in all honesty, um, I think that shutting that stand where the CUP tend to be in in the part of France is probably the best option. There's not going to be a fine equal to what we've seen at Metz. Obastia will be will be the right thing. It's not really going to affect Paris Saint Germain that an enormous amount. The important thing, really, from this and from all these incidents that we talk about, is identifying those people that make the wrongdoing. Making sure they stop coming to football games because uh, the amount of damage that was done to the stadium is unfair, especially to those travelling fans. Uh, next, well, this weekend is I think is it Lorient going to Lyon this weekend? Correct. Yeah, so there might be facilities that aren't quite ready. It'd be great if they could be, but at the same time that. In smaller clubs, if this was a something that happened at someone like like a smaller club like Lorient or, or Metz or Bastia, and a team had done this, then they'd be outraged because it wouldn't be fixed in this quick amount of time that luckily Liana afforded. So, yeah, hopefully the hammer comes a little bit down on Paris Saint-Germain and they'll make sure that this doesn't happen again because... It's been a positive thing to have them back in the in the in the influence the CO, CUP in the sense that it's it has made the atmosphere at the party of France much better, especially like you said that Barcelona game which went off without incident. So the hope is that they can learn from this, they can identify those that did wrong, um, ban them, learn from this, and hopefully move on forward in a in a positive vein. But yeah, the punishments should match those that we've seen already. Certainly,
0: we would hope that. The LFP can distinguish and PSG can distinguish as well the difference between fans and those who uh, Want to wreak havoc. It's a, a certainly a frustrating situation to see. I'm not approaching this thing sort of Leon Homerism but, but this does need to be dealt with, you know, especially as PSG, you know, have Should be should be looking to be a model uh, given their resources compared to other clubs in France. So Keeping now with uh, cup competition, I I did want to speak about PSG uh, on the pitch as well. Adam, you were watching their win over Avranche yesterday. Uh, Hatem Ben Arfa played at center forward and recorded a brace and assist. Now there is the obvious caveat of the quality of opposition, but now that's five starts at striker for him in various formations, both in a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1. But in those five starts, uh, the former Newcastle man has four goals and five assists. Now he's admittedly been a malcontent, but have PSG missed a trick in using him at a position, either on the wing or a, as number 10?
1: Maybe. I, I, I'm a big fan of of Hatem Ben Arfa on on the pitch, I think we saw at East last season when when he's got his head in the right place and when he's on form, he's a magical player. He's absolutely wonderful. He was for Nice last season, and to be honest, even in spells for PSG, he's he's shown this year what he's capable of. Hasn't been given as many chances as perhaps he would have liked, or perhaps even some of the fans would like, maybe, and certainly as this analyst would would like, because I think he's a brilliant player, but he um. Whether they whether they've missed a trick in using him more, using him in more variations, positions, I don't know. I think when you look at that PSG squad and you look at the the competition, when you especially since the especially when since the window and Draxler coming in, and we've mentioned before about how that's provided so much competition for places and sort of has got the better, got the best in some regards anyway out of Di Maria and Lucas, and you've got Draxler in there too, obviously, and Pastore coming back to fitness, who's been absolutely brilliant since he since he came back to to the team, and you also got Cavani, and there's only a few you know, a few places available in that. And, and often there's only three places available when they play 4-3-3 um, three, three formation, occasionally 4-2-3-1, you know, four, four. But for Ben Arthur, I'm not sure he's in, he's not probably not close to the first to team, but I think I would have liked to see him used a little bit more in, in, even in league games, he gets a lot of cup games appearances. He comes off the bench quite a lot. And even he always has an effect. So perhaps given Cavani's form, um, in the last perhaps two months, three months where he's really been on form, it's understandable that he hasn't been used as much. But over the course of the season, I think he has deserved more chances. And Emery's been, at the beginning, he left him out of squads and he, he doesn't he doesn't trust him to play wider positions because he doesn't think he's got the disciplines. He's been used attacking midfield and uh, as a striker. So I think there's a lot of caveats to whether Ben Afferck is um, minutes on the pitch uh, have been adequate enough or not. But from the player's point of view, and certainly from the fans' point of view, you'd like to, to see him use more. And I think he can be effective. Obviously, you mentioned that Avaranch were a third division team and a third division team out of form as well. And I thought they actually played very well for spells yesterday uh, in losing 4-0. But and so there's, there is a character to that performance which was really good but i think he's definitely he's, he's, he's an enigma isn't he? he's something that he's someone that can produce something out of complete nothing that no one will expect and there are very very few players like that in the league and perhaps introducing him in games that are tighter slightly earlier on starting him in, in in games where perhaps they need to rotate players a little bit more and i think that will keep the player happy he'd be less of a malcontent and, and they get they get more out of him so i think over the course of the season yeah he's been underused and going ahead after the performance admittedly against the third division team, I think maybe Emery will li- maybe reconsider a little bit that he could use him in, in perhaps more situations than he, he may have wanted. Whether he's got on, whether he's going to be as good on the wing, I think he's actually better in a central position is open to debate, but I think he's a viable second choice striker for PSG. All right. So Nathan,
0: interesting to you, I mean, Adam had mentioned there's sort of the competition for places, but I guess, you know, how I'm approaching this question is using Ben Arfa as as a backup striker. We've seen Jean-Kevin Augustin be given a handful of chances, but he's been pretty disappointing. I think, uh, particularly about that uh, that match against Niort earlier in the Coupe de France, he was really disappointing there. Hasn't really taken to it. But Ben Arfa, you know, I, again, he's had his issues, but I think, given the potency he has, I think has a has quite a bit of value both this season and going forward uh, to be a genuine reserve striker. I mean, Cavani is thirty this season. Can we really be expecting him to, given, especially given how hard he plays in terms of his running, can we really expect him to be playing 50 matches a season? I think that there's quite a bit of value to be had for Ben Arfa as a backup in this role if that's not a position that PSG want to prioritize spending in the summer. I just wanted to get your take on that. And, and also, if you think uh, whether you it, not only does he have a place in the, for the future in, the, in, the, in PSG, but uh, if he, he did go, what sort of destinations he could be looking
2: at? Um, for the rest of the season as a backup striker, I think it's a really interesting role for him. The only issue I have really against bigger teams is it does change the way PSG will play because obviously he's not a central uh, big target man-like st- striker like Cavani is, even though he does work the channels and does have excellent work rate. He is predominantly within that 18-yard box area. That's where he operates the most. That's where he gets all his goals. That's where the focal points will come from, whereas Hatton Ben will tend to drag himself out of those areas to try and find the ball, to try and dribble within uh, exciting areas and bits like that. So it would change the way they play so that I don't think it would be great for him to be a backup striker in the sense of playing too many games, especially with us being so far in the end of the season. I don't think that it would be too much of an issue, but he's a good option to have on... If they need to try and change something up, or if, like you say, Cavani gets injured, that's another factor we have to take into account. But at this stage of the season, um, you're playing your starting team every single game because there's not really long left in in theory to really make much of a difference, especially without Champions League. And there's just the well, then the coup. The league is finished now, so they'll probably stick with what they've got and use him if they're needed. Um, as for his future, um, I don't see him staying um, this summer. I also don't see him staying if he's offered something like a backup role as a striker because even with the clubs he's been mentioned with, I know Barcelona has been mentioned, there's been other clubs as well. I don't think he wants to be a backup anymore and I also think he's realising that um, sometimes this um, inflated self-worth that footballers have and that's not a criticism. That's sometimes when you're linked with a club that's so big and you've had a terrific season and you think, oh yes, of course I'm good enough to fit into that team. Even if, there's a lot of outside noise saying the, the fact that it doesn't fit their system or he, he he's behind some of these players, even if he's the same age. He's, he's coming in as a backup, of anything. Players have that worth of, I'm being linked with this club, so I must be good enough to start for this club on a regular basis. Um, I think it's a little bit of a reality check in the sense that his season with Nice was absolutely sensational. He's probably not been gifted enough time at PSG, in all honesty, but at the same time, Does he really want to stick by and probably be a backup to these players like Maria and Draxler who've cost a lot more, are younger as well and also fit their system a little bit better? Um, And Pastore as well if he wants to play more a centre-attacking role. Um, I don't think he does. Um, So what I would like for him to do, whether this will be the case, is try and find that club if he can that will give him that starring role, that will give him that 30, 40 games a season he's seeking and that pleasure of of what happened at Nice in that season. I think that shouldn't be lost on him, hopefully, when he's thinking about this come the end of the season. And hopefully, if it's in League which I doubt it would be great, but some club will hopefully show him the appreciation and the uh, the the seeming love and, and embrace that he really needs to blossom as a footballer because he's only really had that on fleeting occasions. And it's such a sad sight to see someone who's, someone who's so talented and can make such a difference. Uh, be a bit part player in the, in the big team.
0: Yeah, Ben Arfa, of course, part of that supposedly cursed uh, class of 87 alongside Samir Nasri and Karim Benzema. So I, I, I have to agree with both of you. I, do, I also do think he's a fine player, and he showed that last year uh, playing in that Diamond 442 at Nice. That He certainly has a lot to offer to a club that maybe isn't at the very top level, but isn't in the fringes of European competition. And I'd like to see him get a move where he can get more of an opportunity. So let's also take a minute briefly, Adam, to talk about Bordeaux. Uh, They rotated their side in attack, and their front three, they changed out. And also at left back with Nicolas Palois being used instead of Theo Pellinard and Diego Contento. Palois, of course, as we know, is not an orthodox left back by any means. Mm -hmm. We saw him get done uh, on the break for Angers' opener. Uh, Adam, can you defend Jocelyn Gorfenec's choices, especially with a real chance at silverware here?
1: Yeah, I think you can. I I I wasn't surprised to see Menes, Unas and uh, Diego Roland start ahead of Kamano, Malcolm and Gason Laborde uh, in that front three yesterday. So I, I I think given those six players that I've just mentioned, they've got a lot of options in, in the in attacking areas. And Justin Gorvenek has over overall used, used start at least in the last few months, really started to find a way to get the best out of them and that means perhaps using the three that at least first choice that perhaps weren't first choice at the start of the season with you know men as being a marquee signing and Roland being an international striker who has got goals in league before and um uh, kamano and malcolm perhaps being younger players coming through and the as well they were sort of it was almost the opposite way around at the start of the season but those three players Kamano and malcolm in particular and the has got a, a brilliant goal at nice uh last sunday as well that they've really broken through into the team and made that, that position their own but that said you have to say that the, the 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 reserve three almost now if you like of men of Menez unas and, and and Roland are three very very good players and given that Bordeaux is kind of there it's almost like their sort of stated ambition this season is to get back into the Europa League, get the, you know, the, the money spent on, well not the money, but the the investment made in sort of wages at least for Tula Lon and, and Mendes to come in in, in the summer. They, they would have expected to finish in the top six and they would have expected the Europa League place. And they have to get that one way or the other, I think. I think that's the next remit. So, it's, it's whether you prioritize the league or the cup and given what their fifth and there is sort of fifth or sixth at the, po- at the moment. And the, 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 they're very much in the, in the race for that, that final Europa league spot in fifth at the moment, as it stands, or probably sixth, if somebody else with PSG or Monaco win the cup, which is pretty likely now, but they're, yeah, they're in sixth with 46 points, Marseille in fifth and 47 Leon fourth on 54, that they, they, they kind of should prioritize the the, the league because that's more likely to get them back into a league and achieve their aim, which is their aim. I know that silverware is brilliant. A final would be wonderful, but I think perhaps though that that is secondary in terms of a return to Europe from the club hierarchy point of view. So I think he, he did the right thing. Those three players are very good. They didn't perform on the day. Kamano and Malcolm came on and made a difference um, in terms of power. It's ridiculous <laughs> that he was used at left back. It, it's absolutely insane. He's just not got the profile of a, of a full back. It's I don't because you mentioned before, like Sang Yao um, used him there a few times and it did not go well. To no. see him line up there yesterday, I was like, especially with the the pace that Onger have got on the wings, you would have thought this is suicidal. But you know, Contendo is a relatively quick player. Punje and, and Penado as well have got a bit more pace, so they're going to get up and down. They're going to f- track those runs way more than than Nicola Power, who's a great defender, but he is a centre back. He's a he's a he's a, he's a Guy who's going to be heading balls away he's a leader, he's the person that's going to be organising and and you know holding up uh, holding up strikers and winning winning one on so ones. That's the kind of thing. He's you know sort of in a strength kind of battle rather than using his pace to keep keep up with Carl Toko, Cambi, and Frama de Hader, and those sort of players. So yeah, suicidal. For, I don't that I can't defend, but in terms of the four players, I can see where he's coming from. he need to get back into the Europa League. Yeah, no, I, I I fully agree. I
0: think that you know with um with the newly money Marseille and this young Bordeaux team, I think that. France really have a great chance to have six strong teams in Europe next year for the first time. I mean, that I can really remember. I, I don't know if, if you if you all would disagree with that, but having that cal- that caliber of team with that amount of depth that can compete on multiple fronts next season, I think is going to be really important. We've been, I think, a little bit underwhelmed by the likes of Lille and Saint Etienne this year, even though Saint Etienne, you know, did win their group and, and, and give Manchester United a decent match at least at Old Trafford. Uh, but I think that. The potential for that young team to not only succeed in Europe, but to kick on a lead next year is, is really good. Anyway, you know, live and learn, I guess, in, in terms of Gorbinek's mistakes there. There's still the league to pursue. But turning now to Match Day 32, I wanted to give a brief update on our standings. We haven't done that in a couple weeks. Uh, I still do have a lead on 74. Adam is in second with 63, and Nathan is in last with 57. But again, still seven weeks to preview. Anybody's match. Uh, we did not do too well last week. I did pr- pick the right uh, winner for the Coupe de la Ligue. Uh, PSG winning, but uh, the other two matches, Marseille, Dijon, and Nice, Bordeaux. Uh, only Philip subbing for you got a, a correct uh, prediction or score. He picked a two-one win for Nice. Well done. So you could thank him. <laughs> uh, but let's let's take a look. I, I do want to keep with Dijon. Um, Adam, I'll come to you. Uh, Dijon did pretty well. Ah, uh, missing Loesione to get a, a really gritty draw against Marseille last week. Does a win here against their home to Bastia make them safe?
1: Possibly not quite. They they were really good against Marseille last week. I thought they played really well. Um, perhaps even you know winning that game wouldn't, based on the balance of play, wouldn't have been you know an unfair result. But given their well, they're seven, Dijon is seventeenth, twenty nine points. You've got Nancy twenty eight, Lorient twenty eight, Bastia twenty five put them on thirty-two. i think there's still a long way to go in the uh, in 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 the relegation in the relegation battle and i think it's going to be a really exciting one especially that relegation playoff place which i didn't think i'd say at the at the start of the season at all but it means that no team at the bottom is going to get cut off or at least there's less chance of them getting cut off from a, a possible place being safe with lorion winning two games at row miraculously out of nowhere i think there's a long a long way to go but the fact that they can put in a performance that was as you mentioned was very sort of gritty and determined battling performance at the velodrome which is obviously still a very difficult place to go although perhaps under under uh under supported Marseille a little bit last year with uh, last last week sorry with, with you know not the greatest of crowds but even so still a different place to go and for a promoted side to put in that performance without their arguably in my opinion their best player and Diony, who's been really really good this season and tavares has wonderful played. Played really well and didn't seem to miss his strike partner much at all last last week. So I think, yeah, uh, Diallo would be really really happy with that with that display. And although a win here would be massive against a relegation rival against Bastia, that you know could could uh, could severely dent Bastia's hopes of staying up. But still a long way to go for Dijon. And I think given 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 that sort of performance and the fact that they've put in loads loads of all sort of those sort of performances, he's in the way it's an Etienne. They're very very good too. Um, and that, that you know they've got the they've got the they've got the gumption if you like just to stay in league and despite perhaps not making the signings that Mets made or perhaps not having the the versatility that that Nancy do and well at least the ability to rotate that Nancy do so I think they if they win here they'll they will be a massive step closer but for to say that the win would keep them up is 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 still a little bit a little bit far as it stands but I think you know they've they've got they've got some some a lot of hope and it's a it's going to be exciting into the season at the bottom.
0: All right, what then would be your score prediction for this
1: match? Oh, I'm going 1-0 Dijon. Okay, Nathan? 2-0 Dijon. Okay,
0: I will go for a 2-1 win. It's really hard to pick faster, but it's also really hard to predict a lot of goals in this match. Mm. Uh, Nathan, I wanted to speak to you about Toulouse hosting Marseille. I know you've uh, been following Toulouse pretty close to this season, they have struggled for consistency a little bit in the first month. They, look, they looked really bright uh, upon Andy Delors' arrival in the winter window, but they sort of struggled a bit in the last their last handful of matches, barring last week. Uh, what does this team need to do to recapture that form that they had had so consistently upon Dolores' arrival?
2: Well, having watched them for the last couple of weeks pretty closely, I, it's passing that is my... It might sound the strangest thing, but it, that seems the thing that seems to constantly get in the way of their play. The the way they really attacked teams once they got Andy Delore in and Coratan Jean and used him and, and Martin Braithwaite further out wide was the interchange of passing the between the three of those, the quick balls to them and getting them on the front foot. And that's just been really, really lacking in the last couple of weeks. Troyho's playing in a centre midfield role with uh, it was with Somalia at the weekend uh, Alexi Bloom was suspended but neither of them could keep the ball and they just wasted possession on regular occasions where they were trying to counter and it was really lacking in any impetus and any guile about it. It, it, it was just such a strange m- couple of moments for them really and they've really been relying on their defence and that really powerful centre-back pairing of, of Diop and Julian who have been excellent all season and been and were terrific at the weekend as well, really kept Steve Moody really quiet um what they need to do is just be more consistent with it G- get the balls to the players get those get those three attacking players and the likes of trejo if they can or some from someone from midfield in those attacking areas and and running at players because when they do and that it was evident for the first twenty minutes against leon a couple of weeks ago as well when they do get the ball to them and when they do try and run at defenders, it causes problems because they're all talented in that final third. It's just getting in those areas that's been the issue. Um Against the Marseille side, where it's going to be more open, really, they're obviously going to be more attacking style. This is an opportunity for them to show it. A lot of other teams have sort of put a couple more men behind the ball and restricted the spacing behind them. Um Marseille are famed for not really being superb defensively this season. They've not really shown enough of times that the centre-backs can be got at, especially again last weekend, like we've already previously mentioned, Dijon did really well and had a really number of good chances in the final couple of minutes as well, so Toulouse need to take advantage of that, um, hope that they can build off this solid defence as well that's really kept out a number of different teams, Mubanje was excellent at the weekend, again, it's another good game he's had, so having someone like that on Tovan or, or Paye will be a massive bonus for them, but they just need to get all these pieces that they've got and click them together. That's all that needs to happen. Otherwise, it's just going to stick and muddle as a the mid-table side they've been at the moment. I, I don't think they're going to get any further up the table. I also don't think they're quite going to sink further down, but the positive needs to be that if they can get some consistency between those defensive issue, well, defensive strengths and the attacking issues and fix that a little bit, there's a platform certainly to build on f- for the future if they can maybe get someone who can replace Jean in that in that right midfield role as well and stick with the players that they've got. They've got a real solid foundation for something next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, perhaps even keeping Jean is not out of the question either. I don't really see that he has a a path to the first team at Monaco. Uh, even if Bernardo Silva were to leave, uh, given the likes of Alan St. Maximin also returning on loan and Ronnie Lopez as well, could be something to be said for that. Uh, so what would be your prediction then, Nathan?
2: Uh, th- I th- this is going to be a really interesting game. Uh, I'm going to go with a one-all draw,
0: though. Okay. 2-1 to lose win. Uh, I-, I have to agree with you. I think they looked pretty decent at the weekend. Marseille, you know, I think uh, Muhammad Ali just had posted a little thing that, about the number of clean sheets they've kept on Twitter. But I, th- I-, I have to agree with you, Nathan. I do think there's something of a smoke-and-mirrors approach to
1: uh, Marseille's defending. Adam, what would be your score prediction? I think it'd be a draw as well. I'm um, <laughs> two all, possibly. I'd be, be optimistic and say two each.
0: All right, Adam. Sticking with you, let's turn to Saint Etienne hosting Nantes. Now, they uh, Lever do have a, a game in hand, but were not to win this match, they would go level on points with Saint Etienne. A very surprising turn of events, considering where Nantes were earlier in the season. Now, Prejuiz Nakuma is the player I want to address. Uh, this question to you about it. He now has four goals for not in the same number of starts, and he has faced some criticism from benefiting from poacher's finishes, particularly uh, for, from his race of the weekend. But for you, what has this Burkina Faso International brought to Sergio Consu's South side that is so different, so vital like compared to the likes of uh,
1: Yassin Bamu and Marius Stepinski? Um, I think he's first of all. I think he's been brilliant. I have to say, I, I know that his, some of his goals have been a little bit fortunate, but I. There's nothing wrong with poachers finishing. I think you know it, it, they all count, as, it, as as the old adage goes. So I, I think you know fair play to him. I think he's been in the right place at the right time, and he's he, he's taken you know he's taken his goal as well. In terms of what he's brought, I think he's brought power and strength, which which Yassin Bamu and and Maris Topinski, although Topinski's a good finisher and Bamu's got a bit of pace about him. I, I think that they they're so much there's so much to contend with about Nantes' forward line now with him and Salah together. There's such a handful together one of them on their own would be but nakuma has got so much so much strength and he, he bullies defenders and he chases lost cause he chases everything down and he's a really good foil for salah he kind of plays off him. Salah's perhaps more of the focal point and and nakuma's really good at sort of uh, harrying defenders and and just just giving them something to think about almost um i think he's been absolutely brilliant i'm i know that for speaking to our, our turkish analyst at football radar that when he was at Kayserispor, he he was always sort of talented but he he was very much uh in and out like he some of the, some games where he could be bothered he was absolutely brilliant and a lot of the time he was a little bit sort of he looked a bit anonymous because he wasn't too interested i think moving to nantes he's kind of found his his level almost he's found his place he thinks he thinks this is this is sort of a big opportunity for him, given that he's, what, 20, 28, 29 now. So he's, he's sort of come out of nowhere a little bit. But I think he feels like he wants to show what he can do, which is why he's been so brilliant in what the last four starts that he's made. Um, He's really sort of turned it on. So hopefully, from Nons' point of view, he'll maintain that and he'll main, they'll be able to maintain that feeling that, you know, he, he's got something to prove and that perhaps good performances here may, may lead to other things and perhaps he can be a, a really you know, important player for them. Going forward. It's, it's a nice, nice little signing they made and they sort of picked it out from a uh, sort of obscure Turkish side, so so fair play. But I think with him and Salah together, they're gonna to be a really dangerous proposition going forward. And Conseil Salves that kind of fight that Konse Sau exudes on the touchdown and demands of his players in a similar way to De does sometimes for to lose but it's sort of that fire that not were missing and i think and the Kuma kind of embodies that which which is why him and and Pardo is a very similar sort of not necessarily style but similar sort of outlook and the way he goes about his football that the, the two of them together have added that sort of that fire that 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 Konse Sau demanded when he turned up he sort of treated his players like sort of school children that Adam? sort of a bit hello yes Hello. Yeah, I can still hear you, Adam. So if you okay, I must be on. Yeah. go ahead, Adam. Sorry about that. Sorry, sorry, that's my my bad. Um, yeah, I I've, I feel like he's he's sort of got the best out of those two players and really added that sort of f- the fire to to the to the team that they really they were really lacking. So two, him and Salah together a really tough proposition with the team playing really well and the team really motivated by Conseil Sal, who knows they could push for that that sort of end of the Europa League places. I don't think they'll make it, but it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that coming into the last couple of weeks of the season, um, with Nakuma keeps keeps scoring goals and keeps interested, then who knows they could be within with a with a, with an outside sh- outside shot. So a difficult position in, in attack now and on and I never thought I'd be saying that given how many goals they scored in the last few years, but it's it's still looking up for them.
0: Yeah, I think that we've been able to recover now from the
1: styles of
0: Mikael De Zakari and Rene Girard. And I think that Nikulm is really carrying on from some great form from the African Cup of Nations. And, um, you know, there was something of the offside to each of the last few goals he'd scored last weekend. But as you say, they all count and, you know, some fine margins have gone against him as well. So I don't think we should discount his contributions. And if I'm not can keep this team together, I think they're looking really good. Uh, for the match, I'm gonna go with a 1-0 win for Not at Saint-Etienne.
1: Adam, what would your pick be for a score? I'm gonna go for the, the classic League and one-draw.
0: Okay. And Nathan?
1: Uh
0: nil-nil. All right, Nathan is not so optimistic about Preuse Nicola's <laughs> good form continuing. Uh, finally, let's have a look at Gangomp's trip to Paris Saint-Germain. Now the Breton side had recorded a really impressive win over the Parisians in December. Uh, and they've shown more and more in attack. they've switched to uh, with the s- return of Sloan Preva and Alexander Mendy, they've been using two uh, center forwards of late. Uh, is this the way forward for Antoine Camboria's side, Nathan? and is a, is enough of is that enough of a proactive approach to become the first team to win at the Parc de France this season?
2: It's an interesting one. whether they stick with that formation going to obviously the Parc de France is another question entirely, but, Having Sloane Privat come back into the side, it is quite an important thing for them because it does give them another option, like trying a four-four-two out, which they did at the weekend. Especially when they've been a bit stuck in a in a in a little bit of a rut this since the turn of the year, really, where they've they've really struggled to maintain form. They had an awful January. They didn't have much of a better February, in all honesty, other than the win against Leon. And then March has seen a little bit of an upturn, but a, a win against Bastia is relatively simple for most teams at the moment and a heavy defeat to uh, Angers really brought them back down to earth but yeah it's an interesting one that they've tried to mix it up a little bit with with Privat and, and obviously someone like uh, Jimmy Briand uh, meeting him up front and then uh, Coco and Saliba as the wide men really um, it gives them a different option now that really they've been struggling to create they've been struggling to Consistently get goals, really, other than little deflections, and they've not really had someone be a bit of a talisman. So, I actually expect them probably to shift back to a 4 3 3 at the weekend and possibly put Sloan Privat as the main man up front with with Brion moving back onto a wing and possibly one off Coco Ococo or uh, Sally Burr operating in the other wing, um, just because it will give them more solidity in the midfield with Dido and, and although. He wasn't even on the bench um, in Mustafa Diallo at the weekend. That Someone like him back into the midfield maybe to add a little bit more security. So if they do want to go for it, which they're in a relatively safe position in the, the table and they've not really got too much to play for other than if they've strung together a load of results, they may, may maybe make a very, very late run for European football because they're not a million miles away. Obviously, they're only three points behind Saint-Étienne then maybe go for it. There's nothing really to lose in this kind of game, especially with Paris Saint-Germain obviously still having recovered from the Coupe de France, although obviously a lot of players were arrested in that game. So it might be quite interesting for them to try and use this 4-4-2 and see how it does work against these bigger sides as well as it did against Nancy, because that can sometimes be a little bit of a misnomer of being Nancy not being an incredibly attacking side this season, <laughs> which might be understating it slightly. Um, so it, they could be a bit more risque and also obviously with them being a man down quite early on as well, it, it does assist them in that sense. So it's been nice to see them try and change something up. I thought they got stuck in the rut and the four didn't work early this season when they tried to put Coco up front next to, next to Breon instead of someone like Privat who does give you a different option as a striker. Um, so yeah, I'd quite like them to see them try it, but I think Kumbari will be a little bit more security. maybe try and get a point and something like that, because it's just as valuable, really. Um, but I'd like to see them be a bit more adventurous at this stage of the season where they are.
0: I'd give it a go. Yeah, I, I would actually have to tend to agree with that. I think they looked... I know Frazius are not a top quality side, but Alexander Mendy also really brings a, a very physical presence without sacrificing much in terms of speed and mobility. I think he could also be a good foil for bringing more consistently this season. Uh, maybe Con I think also wants to rub it in the face of his former employers having been, I think unfairly dismissed doing the double over PSG would certainly uh, prove a, a fine bit of revenge given the disparity in resources between those two clubs. Turning out our predictions then Adam, what would you have? Three, no PSG. Okay. <laughs> no, What's no the station there? Now- nah. <sighs> uh, four one PSG. All right, I'll go with two one. I'll be, I'll, I'll give Gangump a little bit more credit, but uh, I don't. I think it, it. You know, that is a pie in the sky approach to the question. There, I, I wanted to just see if Gangumps' uh, attacking proclivities could be a little bit more developed, but. I don't yeah. think that there's really much of a chance that they become the first team to defeat PSG at the Parc de France this yeah. season. They've been pretty awful in 2017. so. <laughs> this is true. I, I, I know I have to have a bit of foot and mouth here myself that I predicted Gangnam to continue their push for European football, but that does not appear to be the case when they were in fourth and fifth earlier in the season. Well, that is all for this week. For Nathan Staples and Adam White, I've been Eric Devin. Please do join us again on Monday from 8 o'clock UK to wrap up the weekend's action and look forward to Lyon and Monaco's continuing European adventures. Again, do follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That's all for now. Have a good weekend.